0: This is K.M. Wyland, and you are listening to the 407th episode of the Helping Writers Become Authors podcast. In recent podcasts I've been sharing some personal things about the ups and downs of my writing journey. Two things have really jumped out at me as a result. One is just amazement over the tremendous size of the response I've received to these episodes and posts So many kind people have reached out with stories and encouragement of their own, which just reaffirms to me how amazing the writing community is. I have interacted with tens of thousands of people over the years, and by far, the bulk of you are amazing individuals. You inspire me to be better, kinder, braver, and more compassionate every day I am in contact with you. The second realization was that overwhelmingly, we all tend to feel alone in our struggles. Many of the emails I've been receiving have been from people who were grateful to learn that their own feelings and struggles weren't unusual. So we are definitely not alone. We are all on this amazing journey together with more amazing people than we can imagine. And I'm very grateful to be a part of it with you. And now I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast, The Great Novel Writing Checklist. I adore lists. They bring order to the chaos of my brain and allow me to rest in the knowledge that even if I don't remember everything I have to do, the list remembers. This is why I'm going to share with you my ultimate novel writing checklist and just in the nick of time for NaNoWriMo too. But first, a caveat. Great as checklists are, a novel is not built upon lists alone. As we talked about in last week's episode on formulaic story structure, too great a reliance on lists can sap the organic energy right out of your writing. However, there is, without question, a time and a place for novel writing checklists, beat sheets, and other formulae. A recent discussion with Aviva in the comments on um, the post that went with the episode The Only Good Reason to Write gave me the opportunity to talk about the important progression from a reliance on lists to a mastery of it. Viva originally wrote, Oddly, I feel myself torn between feeling extremely grateful for having found the rules of storytelling versus feeling strangled by them. There was freedom in ignorance when I would write for hours, losing myself in painting pictures with my prose, delighting in clever exchanges between characters, or making myself cry with a deeply poignant scene. But nowadays I don't seem to trust my instincts at all anymore, so I'm stopping before I even start. On those rare, wonderful days when I get so lost in my literary world that I finally start falling in love with writing again, I'll wake up and discover the whole scene has to be scrapped because I need an inciting event or pinch point scene more. Katie, have you ever experienced the same struggle? And how can I retain all the structure I've learned without it spoiling my ability to write freely and joyfully? To which I responded, I believe we have to come to a place of harmonizing conscious and subconscious logic and creativity. We have to learn how to balance them so we can optimize both. It's a tricky balance sometimes, but you just have to keep working at it. Don't overthink things. For me, there were a couple rough books there when I was first learning structure where I was too aware of these structural needs. But now the structure is like second nature, and I can pretty much just let the story flow again. To which Aviva responded, I get it, it's like a young athlete learning to develop muscle memory. Say, a figure skater. At first, they're painfully conscious of every moment, every necessary element, but soon, with time and practice, the marriage between technique and artistry becomes second nature, allowing the performance to simply flow from the body and soul in perfect synchronization. To which I responded, exactly. Now, that said, we all need checklists in the beginning. They're tremendous brain savers. They're training wheels when we're still learning, and they're safety nets when we become forgetful. In a recent email, Felicia Change asked me for this post. She wrote, I'm done with my third draft of my current work in progress, but feel like the character arc is not strong enough, while my critique partner says I need more conflict. I'm aware that there are probably a lot of other things I'm missing. I'd like to start with the bigger problems character arc, and then make my way down to smaller problems like dialogue tags. So I thought a list of all the big and small factors a novel should have would help me. The only problem is that I'm not sure what should be on that list. Do you perhaps have a list or something similar which would help me improve my novel? Now, obviously, such a list would be compendious. Indeed, in some senses, my entire website is the list. The art of writing a novel is a vast storehouse of technique after technique. But there is a list. Today, I want to offer a fast novel writing checklist of the five most important elements in any successful novel. And in a few weeks, we'll also talk about the smaller things you need to be aware of in writing and revising. Now the big things on this list are the foundational things. They are the story. Get them right and everything else will fall into place around them. Number one is structure. It all starts with story structure. Once this is solidly in place, you can build everything else on top of it. But if your structure is out of whack, then all the cosmetic tweaking in the world won't save your story. To make sure your structure is doing what it needs to do, check the following off your list. To begin with, we have the three acts. The first act, which expands from the 1% mark to the 25% mark in your story, is all about setup. Characters, settings, and themes are introduced within the context of your character's normal world. The second act spans from the 25% mark to the 75% mark, and is all about conflict. The characters pursue their goals, meet with obstacles to those goals, and learn how to pursue better goals more effectively. And the third act spans from the 75% mark to the 100% mark, and it is all about confrontation and resolution. The characters enter a final confrontation to determine the ultimate success or failure of their plot goals. And within those acts, we have three major plot points. The first plot point happens at the 25% mark and is the doorway of no return. This is where characters experience a life-changing event that forces them to make the irrevocable choice to leave behind their normal world and enter the new adventure world of the main conflict. The midpoint, or second plot point, happens at the 50% mark and is the moment of truth. The characters are presented with both the story's thematic truth and, as a result, insights into the true nature of the conflict. These realizations allow them to enter the second half of the story better equipped to reach their goals. And the third plot point happens at the 75% mark and is the low moment. The characters are plunged into defeat and despair, forcing them to evaluate the moral alignment of their goals and make the final choice about what they will pursue and how they will pursue it in the final act. You also have two pinch points. The first pinch point happens at the 37% mark and is all about new clues. The power of the antagonistic force to threaten the character's goals is emphasized But the characters also gain new insights into the true nature of the conflict, setting up the moment of truth at the midpoint, which will then allow the characters to begin taking more active control of the conflict. And the second pinch point at the 62% mark is an emphasis of stakes. Again, the antagonistic force flexes its muscles and in reaction to the characters' pursuit of their goals. As foreshadowing for the low moment at the third plot point, The stakes are emphasized by showing how much the characters have to lose. And then you have two important turning points that are neither plot points or pinch points. They are the inciting event at the 12% mark, which is the call to adventure. The characters are first introduced to the conflict that will officially kick off the first plot point. They will start out by either rejecting the call to adventure or having someone else reject it on their behalf. And then there's the climax, which begins at the 88% mark and is the final confrontation in which the characters move forward into their final pursuit of their goals, their final conflict with the antagonistic force, and the ultimate confrontation that will decide their success or failure in gaining their plot goals. And then the whole thing is capped with a solid beginning and ending. The hook happens at the 1% mark And it's the first domino of the plot that kicks it off in a way that balances introductions of the character, setting, and theme against the requirements of hooking readers with interesting situations. And that is bookended by the resolution at the 98% mark. The final moments in your story bookend the beginning, offer commentary on the decisive moments in the climax, and create a sense of continuity as characters continue with their lives after the story. Number two on our checklist is character arc. Character arc and story structure are closely linked. Build one and you're automatically building the other. Once you have a solid understanding of story structure, you can use it to help you create a character arc that is pertinent to your story at every juncture. Character arcs incorporate all of the previously mentioned structural moments, but they also include some uniquely important elements of their own, including... Most importantly, the lie and the truth. The character's pursuit of exterior goals will be an extension of the inner conflict, which is based upon a fundamental and damaging misconception about life, which is in opposition to an empowering and enabling truth. And then we have the thing the character wants and the thing the character needs. The character's want and need are extensions of the lie and truth. The character's lie drives him to want something wrong or for the wrong reasons. What he needs is always a manifestation of the truth. And finally, the ghost. The ghost, or wound, is something in the character's backstory that haunts him and motivates his belief in the lie. Number three on our checklist is theme. Just as character arc flows out of structure, theme flows out of character arc. As you develop your primary character arc, and particularly its lie and truth, you will be discovering your theme. There are three things to remember about theme. It needs to be linked to plot. Theme must directly emanate from your character's actions in the plot. The choices they are making in pursuing their goals must ask the questions that create the plot. If the two are not linked, the story will not work on an emotional level. The second thing you need to think about is your theme's message. Your theme will be a universal statement about how the world works. It will be applicable to any story, indeed to life itself. But the way your own specific story handles and demonstrates that truth will create its message. And the two are not the same thing. And finally, you also need to think about your theme's complex moral argument. Good themes are complicated. They should not be black and white statements about good or bad. Instead, seek to create complex and honest moral arguments in which you authentically and compassionately examine both sides of the dilemma. Number four on our checklist is setting. Good settings are characters unto themselves. They're so integral to the story that to remove them would change the entire narrative. As such, they should be chosen conscientiously right from the beginning of crafting the story. So here are three angles to consider. Number one, catalyst. The most important factor in choosing and using a setting is making certain that it matters to the plot. How does it set up the conflict? How does it then contribute to the conflict by turning the plot? Number two, backstory. In choosing your setting, examine its history by using the continuing ramifications of past events and motivations in your story. You'll create a greater sense of verisimilitude and deepen readers' suspension of disbelief. So don't just tell a story about an isolated moment in time. Tell a story about one moment That is part of something bigger. And number three, cast. Your setting will determine your supporting cast of characters. So consider what interesting people can originate from this place and its unique culture. How can these particular people influence your story in pertinent and organic ways? And finally, number five on our checklist is point of view. Don't forget to consider your story's narrative. The character or characters you choose to tell this story will influence every single word you write. So you need to think about the narrator or narrators. Your story may be told by one narrator or many. Usually fewer POVs are better since greater numbers of POV can easily fragment your narrative and demonstrate a lack of authorial control. Most of the time, the protagonist and or main character, if they're different people, will be the primary narrator. If you're uncertain which character to choose, determine which character is A, present for most of the action, and B, has the most at stake within the main conflict. You also need to consider the distance of your narrative. Once you know which character will narrate the story, you must decide how deep or distant You want the narrative to be. Deep narratives delve into the character's mind in order to create the impression that every word is coming from her mind. Distant narratives pull back farther and simply observe the character's actions, acting more like a movie camera rather than a mind reader. You need to consider the narrative's tense. You must also determine what tense you will tell your story in. Past, which is I walked, or present, which is, I walk. Past is the standard, since it creates a grounded and easily comprehensible approach to events. Present is most often used in literary stories and YA, in order to create a more immediate and often airy kind of a feel to the narrative. And finally, you have to consider your narrative's voice. Last, but absolutely not least, is the question of how your narrative will sound. This will largely depend on the characters you have chosen as narrators. What are their personalities? What is their vocabulary? Your goal is to create a realistic narrative that injects as much personality and momentum into the prose as possible. Every one of the items on this novel writing checklist will impact every single page in your story. Whether you're outlining, drafting, or revising... Use this checklist to make sure you've got all the story's most important pieces firmly in place. Keep at it long enough, and they will all become second nature. Thank you for listening to the Wordplay Podcast. To read a transcript of this episode, you can visit my website at helpingwritersbecomeauthors.com. And be sure to check back again next week.